report. Everything's status quo, sir. Very well. If um, anyone needs me, I'll be in my ready room. To the readier room, the only and officially longest-running Star Trek: The Next Generation rewatch podcast. Every week, we're bringing you stories from behind the scenes of the Next Generation of Star Trek and telling them to you on a, about a seven-day rotating basis. My name is Mitchell Mel's Chief Consultant of Services at Paramount, and with me is my life partner Brandon Hobbs. And Brandon, congratulations on our 100th episode. 100 episodes my friend 100 right. episodes good 100 Lord. episodes i can't believe we've made it this far 100 episodes yeah this one goes out to all of the haters and the doubters in the world mm-hmm. who said it could not be done you cannot talk about star trek the next generation for 100 episodes they said nobody would listen to it they said you would have an average yep. of about three views on your youtube page they said let it be known yep yep, yep. um Namely, Stan Eastbury. Yeah. You can suck it. He knows who he is, and he knows where we are, and he knows the uh, the amount of foot in his mouth right now. Yeah. It's it's a great feeling. It, it is. truly is. It is. If you've never accomplished anything, you guys out there in the world... Which then... is understandable, because yeah. they're Trek fans, of course. Right, right, right. And, um, you know, I'm not going to shame anybody, but you, you should try it sometime. You know, just set a goal, work Doing for it. something. Yeah. <laughs> learn a skill. Learn Klingon. Hey, you know. There you go. You can learn about the buckshot. <laughs> the, uh, the, 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 the roostai. Yes, the roostai. And, um, what is the, the batlift? I'd, I'd love to learn Klingon. Oh, the, yeah, the batlift. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Learning Sorry, a language. I was dusting my computer. You were dusting it? Yeah. I see. I hope you weren't crop dusting it. But <laughs> learning a language really is just compiling a bunch of commonly used nouns and repeating them out of context. Absolutely, yeah. And and more more than anything, sprinkling in foreign words while you speak English. So yes. people know that you know the language. Exactly. And uh, I think we all do that with Klingon on occasion. Klingon occasion. Mm-hmm. You know, just uh, throw it in there to show how cultured we are. Compared right, to the, right. compared to the muggles of the world, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we need we need a word as as Trek fans to re- to refer to normal people. Terrans, huh? Terrans. They're what from, is that? They're from Terra, from Earth. Oh, t- oh, Terrans. What do you think I said? <laughs> Karens. Karens. Terrans. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, uh... what, wasn't Janeway's first name Karen? Possibly. Well, she's gonna she's gonna have to get canceled now. Yeah, or, or get cancer. You know, whichever suits her better. <laughs> Either one works for me. Yeah, hell yeah. I gotta say, Mitch, it's colder than a witch's tit here today. Yeah, well, it is January. That's one of the winter yeah. months. Um, did you know that there are? Well, you of course you know there are twelve months in a year. But did you know that each season? approximates about three months so there's four seasons of three months that adds up to a year wow 
Yeah, and January falls right in the middle of winter, which is December, January, and February. Well, if if you're unfortunate and you live up north in 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 the world anywhere, um, winter is actually six months. Really? You, well, you know me. I'm very. I mind my longitudinal position more mm-hmm. than most, so I, I would never be caught out in that kind of position. Right. Fair. Fair. But you know, for our Canadian fans. Yeah. Yeah. Um. You know, them with their moose and their mounties and. Whatever pancakes. they do up there. Pancakes. Well, I mean, they're more of a syrup people, so I don't know if they really yeah, care about the pancakes. Use, there's nothing you use syrup for besides pancakes. It's a drink. Except, I know, I did have, um, I had a, a great old-fashioned with maple syrup in it once. Is this liquor? And, uh, Is this a cocktail? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, with whiskey and, like, the crushed fruit and stuff. Hmm. It's this, really good. This sounds like one of those drinks that people make where they bet somebody to drink it and just throw all the shit in their fridge in there. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, some crushed yeah, fruit, it, some maple <laughs> syrup, some whiskey. Uh... It, it actually is really good. So I've never found, I've only found the, the maple syrup one at one place. Where was that? And, was that a barcade? Uh, it was definitely not a barcade. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to a single barcade in my life. Oh, is that um, where people meet each other for dates? A singles barcade? Yep. <laughs> Alright. Alright, let's let's move on. <laughs> what? Oh goodness. Okay. Um I guess we'll move on then. On my command. I'm not I'm we're not having a power struggle live on the podcast. So, I guess we'll move to the question of the week, and um, this week's, our, our hundredth, hundredth question of the week comes from Mr. Tan in Japan, who, who asks... Oh, he's a fan? He's a fan. <laughs> he asks, um, he says, Ohio admirals, when, you know, we live in California, but I, the Japanese aren't really privy to American right. geography. Which is Tokyo, okay. my friend. Yes, yes. Um, congratulations on one year of the show, which I guess he got confused with a hundred episodes. Um, what are your favorite moments from our time together on the readier room? Mm. Readily ready, tan. Oh, well, that's a great question. Um, my favorite moment was when we had Frakes on the show. Oh yeah, that was that was killer. Now, it, what was fun about that was we, and you know, I'm sure most of you have heard the episode, but if you know, if you're a late bloomer to the readier room, uh, we we invited him on, and it took maybe thirty minutes, about maybe forty into the episode before we told him what was going on. It was kind of like a hidden camera kind of thing, you know, we just, just getting some candid freaks shooting the shit. Um, you know, the the Twitter fallout from that was, was one thing, but I, I think it was worth it in the end. Yeah, I mean, certainly. I, I, I don't think... I mean, we have we have some pretty exclusive footage, mm. to say the least. I mean, uh, Frakes has never been so defenseless. And God knows we've wanted him in that position for decades. Unfortunately, he didn't get defenseless enough. Not in the way we wanted him to. No. But, um... You know, you get the alcohol flowing. Yeah, I mean, we have some 
additives for that. Yeah. Yeah. But it was a great time. Definitely my favorite guest that we've had. And all, all together, all one of my favorite people, Jonathan Frakes. Yeah, definitely. Um, love the guy. Um, how about uh, how about that time the old uh, one of the old production assistants mailed us a bomb? <laughs> I knew I knew you were gonna bring that up because this guy he he's he'll never get over this. You know, I have the package. I'm like, oh, look at this, and he's like, I think that's a bomb. And he's mm-hmm. a man saves the day once, mm-hmm. and uh, yep, yep, can never well. let it fucking go. <laughs> you need to be more observant, Mitch. Look, sometimes, like, I've sent packages before that are just bundles of duct tape and and hope. And if someone sent one to me, I'm not going to assume the worst of them. That's racial profiling. That's true. That's true. I mean, one time I got a package in a taped-up Wheaties box. Oh, yeah? Do you think a champion sent it to you? (laughs) I wonder what that champion's doing right about now. Well, it's, it's not breakfast time, so we can rule out eating Wheaties. (laughs) <laughs> uh what else what else what other fun memories do we have oh goodness there was um there was that time where we talked about encounter at farpoint which i don't know if you remember but that was our very first episode it was that's right i forgot encounter at farpoint was the first episode yeah what a weird place to start i it was a bold creative decision that uh I was responsible for. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You did a good job. I, I'll admit that now. Sometimes you you do a good job. Yeah, it spurred our our unending, um, recollective admiration for, uh, um, you know, good old Q man, uh, John Delancey. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, that's right. Do you remember that time you called his voicemail live on the show? <laughs> Uh, yes, um, I uh, I haven't heard back from him. Um, I'm a little scared. I was a little bit drunk. Said a few things I probably shouldn't have. I was egging you on, to be fair. Like, oh, talk about his wife. Talk about his wife. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure any man would really be pleased to hear um, to hear what I wanted to do to her. But she would. Whether that was, you know, intentional or not. She would. I'm sure she would. Yeah. It's me. I mean, yeah. of course. All you know, um, women—they just want you to. No, I'm not going to get into it. But they're, uh, they're all—they're all—you know—they're all kind of the same, right? Um, <laughs> but, one of my mm-hmm. all-time favorite memories, you know, um, among all of our interactions with the fans, I think, um, I because I love interacting with the fans. I is, do, but um, mostly in the summer, you know, when it's hot. Yes, yeah. Um, you can't leave them on at night, right? That's very dangerous. You'll get fan death. Um, where the fans die. Yes. Which is not unlike Picard Season 2. Which which <laughs> Which you can you can use sparingly when you need someone to kinda, you know, kick it. Mm. But uh I, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention our probably our biggest fan, um, from the old DK Vine forums, Bamo. Yes. Yes, he was with us from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And it's not not, yes. not every day a fan like that comes along. Yeah, um, he was our first ensign. So, Before you know, we even knew it. We'll, we'll tag Bamo on Twitter so everybody can, can, can message him. But please, 
you know, let give him some of the some of the love that yes that yes. we give him. If everyone could, I'm sure he'd appreciate the sheer outpouring of of emotion. He definitely would. He's uh he's an interesting fellow. He's a very um he's very empathic. He's very in tune with the emotions and feelings of others. And um yeah. He, I mean he he's he's helped me with a ton of problems actually. Oh yeah. He's he's a good confidant. He's a confidant I have confidence in. I have confidence mm-hmm. in his confidant's confidence. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. But you know, here's here's to another 100 episodes of the readier room and uh that's right perhaps episode 200 will finally be the readiest room we'll get there yeah. by the end we'll be the readiest i mean no one could possibly be readier by the time we get to the end of this that's true that's true uh, but but domo arigato mr roboto yeah thank you mr tan um if you're like mr tan in japan and you want us to answer your question on the week uh send us an email at the readier room at gmail.com or tweet at us at the radio room and as always those are with a capital t and two capital r's but that middle r is not capitalized and if your question's good we'll answer it but uh yeah here's to 100 more and here's to it here's to it and the first of those 100 more is uh about this this episode we got here today yeah uh we have the bonding right uh interesting uh intersection of firsts for the show we have we have ronald writing it's his first episode as writer first episode of michael pillar as showrunner Hmm. um this episode i think a lot of people were very excited about in the crew it was a little bit desperate uh i think we kind of had very little else to work with but um curious what you think of it um i i i'm I'm a little worried now based on your tepid introduction but i was into a lot of what this episode was putting down i really liked Mm -hmm. the the wharf stuff i really liked the lost stuff i liked the wesley stuff i even liked troy having more of a pronounced and useful role Mm. in this episode Uh, well yeah i mean this might be the most useful troy's ever been she actually does counseling she counsels people Although there was a line, and I'm, I'm throwing us forward just a little bit, and then we'll come right back. But there's there's a line where she says something like, "The emotions of the the crew are particularly strong right now, and I can't filter them," um, <laughs> which which bothered me because it's it's like a single person died, um, and and if if that's enough to affect the crew, then I don't know, like maybe like someone getting divorced would cause that as well, or something on a random day, and Troy just can't do anything. It's like it's, this is a. Yeah. a, a ostensibly a military vessel right and uh well it's it's less military i mean the federation doesn't really do military no but they're all equipped to die or they're prepared to die in the yeah they're prepared to die yeah right so it it shouldn't come as any surprise to a group of adults really like maybe close friends obviously would be like oh well that really sucks right but but there's it's like, one of those things where it's like it's at your job you you hear about it you kind of like you're sad maybe for a little bit or you know you like you know my condolences or whatever you forget it in like an hour you know there's thousands of people on that ship a ton of people and uh they would not it would this this random woman wouldn't ripple through the the social atmosphere like that like someone from the bridge crew i could see besides yar yeah or someone from the bridge crew i could see but yeah it's i i thought that line was a little silly but otherwise yes troy was very very 
relatively speaking, useful in this episode. Good uh, for her. I liked it too. I liked it too. I liked this episode. There, there were. Mm, I don't know. I mean, like y- you have some stuff like Gabriel just being a weird looking kid. Yeah. Uh, and there's the original pitch for this episode was that he was going to um, he was going to recreate his mother in the holodeck it wasn't going to be an alien thing hmm. which I, I I don't think that's necessarily better or worse than what we got um, it would be yeah, a di- maybe not it would be a it's, different it's, story it's interesting though if, if I could just say real quick it's interesting though just because recreating your mother in the hollow deck that's kind of of your own volition mm. you know it doesn't happen to you so it's like it's like it's it's more a kid throwing himself into a fantasy deliberately right rather than no. perhaps succumbing to some kind of temptation but then i guess you have no kind of external threat and probably maybe can't fill an episode with that right um but that that was a gene thing he he gene considered children of this era to be more familiar and, and accepting of death um, which is psychotic but that's that's what that's what he wanted so that's that's what that's what we did yeah they they hammer that home early on like oh you know they te- they teach us about death in school I understand death you know whatever whatever the kid says right. and right. Um, I, I you know I can accept that as a cultural shift especially aboard again uh a vessel where everybody's parents have taken uh, an, an oath to die if necessary. But it is a little odd because when, yeah. when you're telling a story like this, a lot of it, for it, for it to resonate with the audience, it just has to be based in the audience's moral center rather than the characters because it won't really, really be relatable otherwise and then there's no point. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that that was a bit of a strange... Um, direction but at the same time the way it plays out they might as well have not have mentioned it because both wesley and um what's his name the kid the kid jeremy jeremy uh both of them you know exhibit pretty (coughs) typical reactions to loss you know they go through that cycle of you know anger and acceptance and Mm -hmm. whatever yeah, sure, sure. I I definitely don't like how it was initially portrayed in the episode where the you know the kid just kind of sits there and does this like dead fish look at uh, at Picard as he tells him his mother is dead. I, I'm not sure I'd buy that. Well, there's only no enough. Matter what century. There's only enough acting points for one one performer, and uh, and <laughs> Patrick really really had had them cornered in that scene. <laughs> he grabs the yeah. kid's hand and dramatic zoom in. It's like, yeah. How did? What did you think? So I feel like I feel like um, I don't remember Rick directing in this quite this kind of way. Yeah, the direction if, if was. You get what I mean? Yeah, it was. It there was, was a lot of there was a lot of like panning, a lot of like moving behind walls, which was really cool. Um, a lot of pacing for some reason. It was and notably different, just then, from watching it. There, there were a lot of. This is the one thing I didn't like. A lot of the conversation scenes were these static shots of just like claustrophobic static shots of each actor's face. Yeah. Completely non-changing, and one would talk, and it would move to that one, and then the other would talk, and it would move to that one. No change at all. No like pullback. Nothing like that. It was, it was very claustrophobic in in some scenes. Um, but some scenes it was like, well, I feel like I've never seen this in Star Trek before. 
Yeah, I remember one scene where Worf and um, Troy are talking. Yes, yeah, where it goes, it goes behind the wall. Yeah, and it's like, all right, and that's that's the that's the cut to the scene. And mm-hmm. first of all, I have no idea what that location is supposed to be. But <laughs> no, I have no idea either. <laughs> but it you know it was visually inspiring, I guess. Um, it was it was cool. Even even the elevator with with Picard and Troy stops the elevator. I feel like it's a different angle we've ever seen the elevator from. Mm. Well, shots inside um, the elevator are already kind of rare. Um, yeah, true. I mean, it's a tiny space, so yeah, compared to the vast space outside the ship, right? Yeah, <laughs> quite the dichotomy. Um, <laughs> really saying something there. <laughs> um, the the pacing stressed me out. I'm not sure why. Patrick, I don't know if he was directed this way. I'm inclined to think so because Worf does the same thing. But Patrick paces around the elevator, the tiny elevator, and I wanted to choke him out. Um, just, just watching it, I'm like stop, just, just stand still. Stressful. I, I think that's a uh, a little insane. <laughs> um, was was the color grading different too, or am I crazy for this episode? It seems I, darker. I don't have an opinion on this. Um, I didn't notice if it is darker. I think part of that for me was the the couple of new sets that were made for mm-hmm. the for the show are made it look different intrinsically in some ways that combined with the direction so i didn't really notice the color grading season, so much it might just be a season three thing anyway and i just haven't noticed it till now yeah i mean most of the time we don't even watch the episodes we just listen to them at 2x speed <laughs> yeah we lay down on the floor close our eyes <laughs> <laughs> um boy so yeah so um as as a little bit of background too just just before we start getting into the episode as a whole i did want to mention that um this episode was was um it was initially pitched as kind of a way to replace wesley yeah right i think i think you know a, an informed fan or at least an observant one would probably be able to tell this um you know, we we'd kind of been struggling for a while because Wesley had obviously, I mean, he'd obviously lost his his boyish charm at that point, right? He's a little awkward now. He's a little too old, but not not old enough. He's in that like weird middle space where he's an awkward teenager, mm. and um, TNG just it just wasn't the same without a child actor that we could really make good use of, if if you know what I mean. Um, so we put this episode together as kind of a way to. Cre- forcefully create a new Wesley, and um, it's interesting because all of Wesley's scenes in this episode they were written to have this like kind of meta layer to them, uh, where Will, as the actor, you know, you pull back. Will, as the actor, slowly learns he's being replaced, which I thought was genius. Mm. Um, and you know that's that's kind of the 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 meta reason uh, he doesn't want to talk to Jeremy because he knows he's he's slowly fading into obscurity, right? But unfortunately, Gabriel, uh, the actor for Jeremy, um, God bless him. He he died in a car crash a few weeks later. Um, and uh, I mean, I mean, no one liked him anyway. But still tragic. Yeah. Still tragic. Do you remember? Um, there was a bit of miscommunication, and it ended up being an open casket funeral. And, oh Jesus! Uh, yeah, that was not supposed to happen, and. When that happens without, you know, a solid uh, forewarning mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. the, yeah, it's... It's 
the the second most messed up child corpse I've ever seen. Yeah. Well, I mean, you work in Hollywood long enough, right? Yeah. Well. Anyway. Anyway. Pretty good episode. Pretty good episode. And I'm interested to see if, uh, you know, as we go along, as usual, it's, it's, it's weird because we keep agreeing with each other. Yeah, I mean, sometimes that happens on occasion. Occasionally it does yeah, not. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I don't uh, know. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious, I'm curious if, if either of us will uh, start to hate this episode halfway through talking about it. That's part of the allure of the readier room. Um, yeah. Us losing affinity for things we previously liked. And hopefully the audience <laughs> does too. <laughs> uh all right so yeah let's 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 go through it let's go through it so um how does the episode start here the episode starts with the away team on an expedition which includes wharf and a bunch of unnamed people one of which dies yes um they they were the the backdrop of the planet is that it the, was the koinonians Koinonians, famously named after um, John Quinones, ah, um, of of what would you do? Now, was um, he also initially conceived as a fish person? Yeah, yeah, he was. He was. I mean, he is, uh, you know, Latinx. So that's true. I, now, I always thought it was Latinx. Well, no, that's stupid. Oh, I'm sorry. I will. Uh, I will do better next time. You're you're Latinx, aren't you, Mitch? I'm Latinx, which is why I, I thought it was Latinx. <laughs> you see, well, I let me give it to you straight from the horse's mouth. Um, people of that origin cannot pronounce Latin X. We all prefer to say Latinx. Uh, well, I'm sorry to say, I know what's best for you, Mitch. Look, Gringo, Gringo <laughs> Star over here. uh yeah why were they surveying this planet uh archaeology i think that okay that race that warring race had died out long ago and they were doing an archaeological search of some sort you know they're i guess they're they're researchers the the woman who died is the head archaeologist yeah (laughs) um well now there's a power vacuum on the ship (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which the episode does nothing to to delve into. Yes, unfortunately, uh, much much to our dismay. Um, one thing that bothered me here was Picard really isn't in a rush to beam them up after uh, Troy screams at him, "Beam them up now!" And then they contact him, Captain, please beam us up now. And he just slowly walks back to his chair. <laughs> you would think that that would be standard procedure to just have everybody locked on. 100% right. of the time on a strange planet. <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah, not a, not a great start to the episode for me, but um, they beam them all up to, to sick bay. This woman's dead, obviously. They're very, all... they're very quick to pronounce her dead, by the way. Yeah. Crusher yeah, walks up well, like a second later, she's dead. Crusher has lost her, her uh, reviving abilities um, somehow. Maybe while she was the head of Starfleet Medical, she kind of, you know, lost her touch. Maybe, so, maybe they banned her from doing that because it was just too strong for the plot. It was, it was, it was witchcraft, is what it was. <laughs> we practice God-fearing medicine in this house, right? <laughs> so unfortunately, she has to die. 
Uh, Marina's looking um, particularly haggard this episode, <laughs> I must say. I, I really... The, there's something about... And I was thinking about this while watching the episode. Not just her, but also the kid who played Jeremy and maybe some other people. So many scenes of TNG just have characters standing with their arms just flat at their sides without yeah, any life. Yeah. And that's the only way they can talk to each other. And I yeah. noticed it with a lot with Marina. She'd be standing there, you know, maybe talking to Patrick and just both of them just arms at, mm. like they're carrying suitcases. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to have to think about this. I'm not sure if that's ever really bothered me, but when you, I mean, when you talk about it, yeah, obviously that is true. Here is at least you know I bully Frakes about um, how he really doesn't know how to move like a human being, but at least he moves in a visually interesting and unique way that has a personality that, that, to that it. Might be, that might be part of his charm is that he moves and everyone else doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, Data that, being that's a good observation. being a robot has an excuse for any kind of awkwardness. Yeah, totally, totally. Now, there's a lot of weird stuff about this show that, I mean, it feels slightly off in terms of, like, what you would expect from a human interaction. Yeah. But. It's like they're all aliens you, or something. If you if you take note of the uh, the audience it's attracted. Yes. You, you, you might understand why it's attracted that audience. Okay. Here's, here's a question I just reminded myself of. This is very late in the episode, but. At some point, somebody says the line, uh, there's an alien presence in uh, the transporter room or wherever, but there's an alien presence there. And to my mind, to my ears, that is such a ridiculous thing to say uh, on a starship that is made of people from different planets. And Well, I mean, it's made of some kind of metal, but, you know, the crew is composed of people from different planets and they regularly encounter people from different planets like why would you call it an alien alien to what exactly uh, alien to the ship aliens like who's supposed to be on the ship so it could be a human being yeah and if it's a, a some an infiltrator it's an alien presence it's an alien presence but i understand your point in that if that were to happen in an episode they would not refer to it as an alien presence absolutely not um the the intention is is off yes that's the issue the the end result makes perfect sense. The intention is what's wrong. This is another hectare situation. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> um, so we we get a lot of wharf in this episode, um, which is good. I mean, the title ostensibly centers wharf in in, yeah. in the episode, even if that's not necessarily how it bears out. But it is interesting stuff. Yeah, I, I guess he's kind of. <clears throat> He's kind of dealing with um, the fact that he led the expedition and someone died under his watch. And he's also a Klingon and she died for no reason, which is like the worst thing that could happen to a Klingon. Right. And yeah. now there's this child that he feels like he has some obligation to. But he's also an orphan, so he, he has mm -hmm. that going for There's a lot of layers to Worf in this episode. And yeah. basically any one of them is is decently interesting yeah yeah absolutely that's that's a good point it didn't need to be all this this it didn't need to be an intersection of all these different factors even one of these things could make a compelling episode but um and in fact maybe it would have been better if it was just one of those things because it almost makes it so complicated that you can't possibly touch on all those aspects 
That's true. In a single episode. I, I would have liked it if, even if it's kind of complex, to have just given Worf more screen time. Yeah, sure. I mean, just, just make it a Worf episode. Like, yeah. Get, like... So, under the original vision of the kid in the, the holodeck, where it's like an, mm-hmm. an, an intentional thing, um, Worf, without an antagonist or that much, um, not action, but you know, proceedings, it would be a lot easier to, to have more emotional, dialogue-driven Worf moments. Uh, of Worf being the one to kind of talk this kid down, but maybe in doing so, Worf has to process one emotion or another on his own, and right. uh, that's it's kind of his journey, which by um, navigating that successfully, he's able to help the kid. Which is why I do think that that probably would have been a... If done right, it would have been a better episode. I agree. Because the alien presence doesn't really... The alien presence doesn't really uh, amount to all that much other than just an emotion inside of the kid, right? Like as an yeah. as an actor, as an entity, it doesn't doesn't really do much. No, it doesn't. And and even further than that, just as a concept, it's it's a little far fetched to me that um, this this race of energy beings has such trauma that they feel like they need to beam themselves up to a starship to make a kid happy yeah it is strange and um i am curious about so these guys this race saw the other race um obliterate itself which uh yeah which implies that that race had um you know human-like flawed emotions and at that point, they should have enough experience to understand where the people on the Enterprise are coming from emotionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly, certainly. It's. I hate this episode now. <laughs> we did it. I, I fucking hate it. <laughs> no, it, honestly, it is really stupid. And unfortunately, it's like, I, on the one hand, it's like, what do you do when when Gene says he doesn't like something? I mean, you obviously have to change it, but. I don't know if there could have been any better way to do it. the The problem is like just this this race of of beings is not believable, and no. their intentions are not believable, and you need them to drive the plot forward. So you have to kind of just willfully blind yourself to all that, right? And they're not the focus of of the plot anyway, so it's not like the biggest deal, but it does detract from it a little bit. Well, when there's a Another way to have done uh, what this episode is trying to do without yeah. suffering all of this uh, minor inconsistency, it makes it sting a little bit more. Whereas if it had been completely necessary to deliver you know, what was otherwise an engaging plot, then that's a lot easier to overlook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's, it's just unfortunate, but um, I don't know. What, what, what can you do? Um, complain on our podcast <laughs> 40 years later um yeah so we already touched on this but but picard goes and talks to gabriel not gabriel G- gabriel's the actor jeremy the character yes i just I can't i can't not think of him as can we talk about gabriel for a little bit uh, he's sure i mean he was he's quite such the, a little shit quite the little spitfire i would say yeah. to the point where i i question if that car just intended to hit him but that's neither here nor there. Um, 
a lot of drama on the set caused primarily by him because really he relentlessly bullied Patrick of all people. Yeah. Yeah. Which is weird. Yeah. And this, it started out just like, is okay, he's a kid. You know, maybe he's making a joke or two, whatever. Patrick is kind of like, he was uncomfortable, but he shrugged it off. Mm -hmm. Intensity went up as bullies tend to do. And, um, Patrick went to, to Winnie, the director. And he's like, oh, can we do something about this? And after a, a, a brief deliberation, this was decided to be method acting. And I don't know if you know what method acting is. Um, it's what Method Man does when he was uh, in his brief acting career. But Yes. Yes. Method acting for Patrick in this case was that Picard is somebody who hates children. And to properly get into that headspace, Patrick needed the motivation to truly hate a child with, mm -hmm. with all of his heart. Right. And uh, it was decided that the bullying would get him there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess to a degree it did work out, but uh, I mean, that kid, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, every trick in the book, else. this kid did like, you would think, okay, a whoopee cushion, a wet willy. It's like, no, how about he puts like a nail on, on your seats. And when you sit down, you get stabbed. Right. Yeah. No, it was, it was like actual. Harmful. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah, terrible. And possibly the worst thing, not even that. I mean, I wasn't the victim. You and I weren't the victim of any of this. But uh, one thing we were a victim of was every day after filming, um, if if he didn't get um, like a new toy, mm. um, he would he would just get red in the face and start spitting and screaming um, un until until someone like gave him something, you know? Yeah. Which is pretty, um, that's my image of children in some ways, but... You know, yeah, when, I mean, if for it's the most part. if it's your kid, you can just hit it. But someone else's kid, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, not that we not that we didn't. When his mom was away, we could we could do whatever we wanted. I mean, you remember that uh, that scene where where um, Jeremy cries? Yes. Right? That like split second. Um, the two tears. And it was yeah, it was impossible to get this kid to cry, or like emote in any way, but especially cry. And we tried everything, you know, because his mom wasn't there. Um. We we tried to um, you know like just we we tried beating him up you know Be kicking him around a little bit oh beating him up I thought you said beaming him up no 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 we didn't beam him up that that's that's fictional that's oh a I fictional see thing. <laughs> no yeah you know like like we 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 roughed him up a little bit um. We, uh, you know, we, we, we taunted him, you know, tried to, tried to insult him, all that stuff. And, like, like, nothing was working to get this kid to cry. He was just a little asshole. He was kind of a master um, at it. You know, we'd, we'd, we'd say something to, like, break his spirit. And he'd say, I know you are, but what am I? And we just kind of looked at each yeah. other, like, what are we going to do about this? Right. No, I mean, there's nothing you can do at that point. Right. There's it's, nothing you can do. It, he won. It's impenetrable. Um, but Rick, I mean, this is actually pretty genius. Rick sat him down and, and you know, he, he's... He asked him, you know, hey, do I need to call Gene? And um, <laughs> Gabriel just started just absolutely bawling at that point, like just just immediately. Um, and you, I, I guess I guess Gene just had that effect on kids, you know. Oh, uh, he had that effect on everyone, uh, especially the female members of the cast. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, kids, kids and women. Yeah, women and children. The the first ones on the lifeboat are there to get away from Gene. 
Um, they they say never so, work with kids. They do say never work with kids. They now, say they also say not to do a lot of other things with kids. Right, that's really and, bad uh, advice at the pedophile that was, ring. <laughs> that was violated several times uh, d- during our stint here. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and yet we still have jobs. Somehow, somehow. <laughs> Speaking um, of, um, uh, I don't even know how to put this. Speaking of the, all of this, you can't see, but I'm gesturing. Um, mm-hmm. So there's one scene that in this episode that really stuck with people, in or people were stuck on it. It, it was a bit in, in a, a negative, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. You might have noticed that you'll never see this episode in syndication, um, which you know, for those not in the know. That's when uh, television shows air out, you know, reruns, basically, is what you'd call them. You never see this episode in reruns. And the reason for that, it was the mild pedophilia controversy that stemmed up. Yeah. Yeah, maybe a little bit more than mild. Right. The 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 severe pedophile controversy that, that's, <laughs> that came up. Um, there's a scene where Worf and Jeremy are alone in a uh, in a bedroom and automatically, you know, there were some red flags going off. And I believe they're talking about the, the bonding, which, again, red flags. And Jeremy is grieving, and Worf's t- telling him about the bonding. And Worf says, perhaps we could do it together. And then mm-hmm. the scene cuts. It's cut to black. Yes. The audience yes. is left to fill in what happened next of them doing it together. And um, the censors didn't like that one. Uh parents didn't like that one a lot of kids watch star trek and parents really didn't like seeing their uh kid be groomed by michael dorn in in (laughs) facial prosthetics so uh that one paramount didn't like that paramount didn't like that either nobody liked that michael liked it but nobody liked that gene liked it gene that's true but the short of it is that it never it was pulled from the rerun schedule yeah yeah I mean, not only that, but um, you know, Worf, Worf displays his his premeditated intent to Troy when he talks about his plan to make Roost die with the boy. Yes, yes, this um, was not a spur of the moment thing, right? Because you know, sometimes sometimes you walk into a room, you see a you know a sexy little child, and you just can't help yourself. But well, I mean, we've Worf, all been there. Worf was planning to do this without having ever seen the kid, so. It's true, which adds another layer to the degeneracy. Mm-hmm. I mean, could you imagine just on a regular, uh, like, how many people would just sign up to have sex with somebody without ever having seen them? Nobody would do that. Well, I feel like people do that. Um, do they, though? If If you want to make it that general, then yeah, I think people do that. I don't think they should necessarily, or that it's acceptable in polite society. No, maybe not. Perhaps impolite society would would endorse it. Well, we do live in that. We are in California. That's true. Um, you know, the California. So what happened next? Uh, the war. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> we we kind of left off. 
Oh no, yeah. So 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 Worf goes and visits the kid. Perhaps we can do it together. Right. Um, they copulate. <laughs> Picard sends irresponsibly sends Jordy down to the surface. Yeah, yeah. For some reason. <laughs> after after the first black man almost blows up, he says, "All right, send the other one." <laughs> They're the only ones I'll risk. But it's it's okay because because he comes back with the device. They figure out what it was. Um, there's no reason for them to have figured out what it was. It, it does nothing for the plot. No, they just needed an explanation for the attack. Mm-hmm. How Which about, we could have inferred anyway. How about the, isn't it a wild coincidence that the only time um, a non 100% bridge crew away team was used was the time where something bad happened? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, but it's it's a coincidence that's uh, that's got a lot of legacy to it. So you know, it's uh, I, I've I've become numb to it really. The jumping back a little bit, the the Riker and Data scene. Oh, um, oh, really? Which yeah, I don't know about you, but um, I could have you could have told me the conceit of the scene, and I could have written it word for word exactly how it played out. <laughs> <laughs> now here's, I mean, yes, but to me this scene is hilarious in that it is to me written as an extreme test of Riker's patience to not just not just hit this robot so <laughs> fucking slap it cuz it's this it's so dumb um it, it's like a a 2-year-old a 3-year-old somebody who's... Data is 3 years old oh oh well i was right <laughs> i don't know it's it was a bad scene it was a useless scene and I usually don't mind data shenanigans like, oh, what is humanity? How do you guys work? What are our emotions? Whatever. Um, but A, canonically, data's already been around people who've experienced loss, and they allude to that. Um, that's it. Just A. That's it. No, uh, no B. Just, just cut it. I mean, I do think he's smart enough to infer that... Um human beings form certain kinds of relationships with with certain people that are stronger than others yeah but and, uh that's that's really yeah that, that is pretty much all it needs to be said i i just i i don't i don't hate it so much i just hate how it was written badly or not not i don't hate it i was just like i don't know i just i i found it funny because it was such a predictable scene it was i mean and that that is how it was written i i think part of that being so predictable is is the ability to call it bad writing um you don't want you don't want every data scene to play out the exact same way right it does feel a little bit season one ish it does it does that's a really good way to put it do you like frikes uh rikers moral grandstanding about the the nature of human violence and perceptions of death i don't know if that was moral grandstanding i thought that i don't know what would you call it it's 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 not it's not grandstanding in, in as much as it is like you know Riker kind of um, and admitting to data that humans are you know uh, kind of illogical in a, in a certain way maybe I don't know um, it's 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 a topic that data brought up it's it's a 
I don't even know how I want to articulate this. All right. Do you have the ability to articulate it? It's not. It's not. <laughs> the issue is it's not Riker's own opinion. It's it's more an objective observation, it seems like. True, but nestled it, within... It, it's true. It is, but nestled within that is the uh, is a bit of high grounding, I think. I don't think so. I think I think you're um who hurt you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I read it that way, but whatever. It's not a good scene anyway, so fuck it. it. It's it's certainly vestigial to the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Data himself is very vestigial to the episode. I think they just put that scene in so Brent would have something to do. I mean, I kind of like that. Data has a lot of screen time and I really like Data, but he's not somebody that has to appear in every episode in a in a meaningful way. Yeah, only when they need super strength. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Somebody needs to mog Worf. <laughs> they're they're treating Worf a lot better now. They are. That's for sure. He's really earned it. Yeah. Now that uh Pulaski's gone, aka the only person who ever respected him. Um, <laughs> somebody's got to pick up the slack. Yeah. yeah. No, it's uh Watching season one and even parts of season two, I was like, "How did Michael Dorn like put up with this? Like, his character was just treated so poorly." Well, luckily it's fiction, so they probably treated Michael pretty well. Well, yeah, but you know what I mean. You don't want to be part of a, a long running show and like have your character like have no screen time. A long running show. Time. Yes, a long. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, never mind. Let's move on. Um. <laughs> Oh boy, we, you know what I've noticed with these episodes is we spend a lot of time in like the first half of the episode, and then it's like oh, and then the episode ends. Uh, they <laughs> they fix the problem. <laughs> and I'm, I wonder if if that's our fault or if it's the fault of the way the episodes are, are constructed. I don't think it's necessarily a fault of anything. It's that we spend time discussing the the setup, the uh, the conceit of an episode, which has more to do with the first act. And mm. somewhat the second than necessarily the resolution in the third act. Or, yeah, sure. I mean, traditional act structure, not not the television, like, five act structure, the commercials, whatever. Um, right. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't really feel we're doing a disservice to the ending of the episodes because, it, to be honest, there's a lot of episodes that really have a speedy conclusion in the final five minutes. Yeah, I mean, that's true. That's true. I guess that's fair. I just... <laughs> I just noticed this is a trend. Um, one thing, one thing I do want to point out is, and, and here's something that I, I didn't quite understand. Um, I don't know if this is a reference to something, but um, at some point the uh, the the energy alien, you know, makes its way into the ship. I guess if if, if we move back a little bit, the energy being makes its way into the the, the, the ship, unbeknownst to us, hmm. and masquerades as Jeremy's mom. Right. Right. At this point, we don't know what it is, but uh, we later find out that it is a um, uh, an alien presence, a being an alien presence that has infiltrated the ship, <clears throat> and um, later takes it over. Not takes it over, but like but threatens to worms worms around in its computer system for a bit. And there's there's a scene in I think engineering where Jordy is like you know trying to like deal with it or something like just like observing it. Yeah. And he says, uh, let's, oh, hope it doesn't blow us to, let's hope it doesn't blow us to Kingdom Come. Um, where is Kingdom Come? Um, that's 
to be honest, I, 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 I know about a Kingdom Come, but that was at an adult store back in the 90s. Yeah. Well, that's the, that's the first thing I thought of. Right. What is Kingdom Come? Is this... It could what, be like... What, what were they thinking here? Do you know King the Ka? King the Ka. King the Ka, the roller coaster. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> this... <laughs> that's awful. <laughs> That's 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 way that's way too that's way too niche. <laughs> you knew about it. I'm moving on. Okay. Um But good job. Thank you. Good job. Not, I mean really not bad. Um <laughs> uh duh, duh, what the fuck happens after? Um so they is an alien presence and basically I think Worf is the first one to discover it with Jeremy, and uh, he alerts the crew, and from then on, it's basically a series of conversations, Troy and the alien, Picard and the alien, Wesley and Picard, um, yeah. Jeremy and Worf. I, I, think, I think, you know, like I said, we kind of we touched upon this at the beginning of the episode. Mm. Not really, uh, or I mean, earlier at least, not really like the most uh, compelling stuff, to be, to be fair. Some of it works. Um, the... Once Wesley gets involved, I think everything from there is pretty good. It's it, yeah, I don't know. We have this like weird counseling session. Yeah, which is with like, everyone in the room. Like, how do you feel? <laughs> it's kind of where this this conflict naturally heads, though. Yeah, uh, that's true. Everyone has to unpack their trauma, um, their emotional baggage. Is is yeah. that where the term unpack comes from? Emotional baggage? Because that's what you do with maybe, baggage? No, yeah, actually, maybe. Yeah, it is. It, it could be. Let's unpack this. You want to look it up? Um, no. No, I don't. I'm going to look it up. Alright, you look it up. You look it up. Um, but you're right. We're just right at the end of the episode again. In the Yeah. Yeah. Amazing how that, how that works. Yeah. Um... I mean, I don't know. There's still plenty of stuff to talk about. There is. There is. I mean, Wesley gets introduced here, and this is where we get the glimpse of the original Season 3 plotline of Picard being the one to orchestrate the deaths of his parents yes, and Jeremy's parents. That's right, and you can kind of see it, too, because um, uh, Patrick's acting, it, like, like, there's, you know, he, he it, like, it's in his eyes, you know? Yeah, yeah. That scene. He, he's trying to play the duplicitous bastard here you know where he's he's counseling these guys and consoling them but at the same time he's taking pleasure in the situation as it's evolved uh, i think mm. it was around episode the, the production of episode 10 where we changed course and uh ended up landing on the 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 best of both worlds um finale you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah but what could have been I know, seriously. I, I feel like we had, at least per season, we had some kind of idea like this. Um, that just never really... That's just that's just creative industry, though, you know? I suppose. And I don't mind that. You, sometimes the, episode, the idea you get to is better than the one you started with. Occasionally it's worse. You know, you can't help that. But it's it's part of the process. They you gotta what do they say? Kill your babies. Yeah, eat your babies. Uh, you gotta eat your babies. Mm -hmm. And like, like a like like a hamster, right? <laughs> feels threatened. 
<laughs> which synthesizes that idea in, into a new one, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. With the nutrients of that child. Right. Right. It's true. I mean, uh, what we got with the best of both worlds was, uh, I mean, in the it, end. It truly was the best of both worlds. It was the best of both worlds. We got we got evil Picard. And we got then, Borg. And then we got uh, Captain Riker. And we eventually got uh, Picard walking around his vineyard. Yes. Yes. Which, which is iconic. Yeah, which, you know, quick, I don't want to... Um, steal from harry to pay paul here but you know i remember patrick just was violently against going to a vineyard he really wanted picard to to be at like a a budweiser factory instead yeah 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 he thought it was cooler that way right which fit his sensibilities more if not not the characters but right yeah I, yeah patrick was patrick was really big on i i'm actually not sure why he stuck around for so long because it, the show is so at odds with uh with what he thought his character should be yeah um which is you know like a like a cool badass kind of guy and you know his family owning a budweiser factory would have been of course a, a lot more cool um back in the day oh actually it's, it's funny you mentioned this because um i i heard this i heard this from ron moore uh-huh. um when he visited the set one day, he visited one day, I can't remember which one it was, um, but I'm not sure how much of this is true. Um, but apparently Patrick, he, he cornered him in the hallway and um, he pushed him against up, like up, the, up, up against the wall, like really violently um, and just demanded that, uh, that he write the next episode with Picard doing a lot of like, to quote him, fucking and killing. Right. I remember that quote. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Stewart um, was constantly, concerned about the fact that Captain Picard um, doesn't have sex and and doesn't shoot anyone. He was um, too much of a Nancy, is what Patrick would say. Yeah, 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 that's right, that's right. That that that, that British slang there, yeah. Um, but yeah, so so he corners, he corners Ron, and I guess Ron, I mean, I, I don't know, like, if I was in that situation, I would probably be the same way. He kind of just froze on the spot. I mean, it's Patrick's, I mean, it's the star of the show, Patrick Stewart. Um, just pinning you against the wall. So right. he was completely speechless. And um, Patrick, uh, he kind of starts to break down. He curls himself up into the, the, the fetal position. And he just repeats over and over again, baby wants to fuck. Baby wants to fuck. Um, and he kept doing that until Ron said, you know, I'll, I'll consider it. Um, and then um, he got up completely just straight face and walked away. That's ultimately what led to the episode where Picard goes to that pleasure planet and meets that archaeologist. Yes, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Although it still didn't work out really in in, in Patrick's uh, best interest, really, right? Because it was a bit of a tease. Yeah. But you know, when he first sees that script, and it's like, oh, and and you know, there's that line where Riker's like, oh, be <laughs> He's very excited. Yeah, be sh- <laughs> <laughs> He's, he buys that like sex idol or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> God, that was a good episode. Let's just skip to that one. Let's fuck it. Let's do it. Fuck the uh, the emotional um, triumphs and tribulations of this episode and its themes. I want to. I want to see Picard being hit on by hot women. Yeah. 
<laughs> so, so I can insert myself into that situation. I really want to see Picard explaining to somebody why he has to be on the bottom because his body just can't do it anymore. <laughs> that's that's what I want. <laughs> uh, poor Patrick. Um, can't have that know, in Picard season three. Can't have what? Uh, any number of sexually suggestive themes, you know, lest the audience projectile vomit. <laughs> well, I'm sure, I'm sure, we stuck a few into Picard season two, so. Yeah, well, sometimes you wish you didn't. Just like I wish Patrick didn't stick a few, you know what. <laughs> yeah, that was a shame. Um, <clears throat> yeah, God, I'm sorry. Anyway. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> where do you go from that? So they they everybody works through their issues. They hug it out. The alien leaves, and <laughs> <laughs> and they have the the bonding. The the Ruth the Roostai Roostai The rooster has yeah. come home to Roostai which uh, consists of lighting candles. Right. Which this is less of a story and more of a comment. But Michael Dorns is really bad at lighting candles. He's really bad. At least the lighting was on point for the Roostai. Worf in his blue room. Which I guess is where he goes to be sad. Give it... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it, is, it really is perfect for Klingon rituals, though, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's mood lighting, it's dramatic. It's a little, like, I don't know, a little pussy, a little dickless for it to, uh, to be like, oh, we're the Klingons, we light candles. That's what we're about. Yeah, 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 um... And that was the impression I got as well, watching this episode again. And uh, God, it really is tame. It's a really tame ceremony, especially compared to what we've seen before. I mean, there was that one ceremony where it was like, what the fuck, like a like, Worf birthday or something? And he got his, himself, like, electrocuted? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you wonder, um, and, you know, of course, any, any real fan would wonder, why is this scene so tame? Um, and the answer is, I think, pretty obvious. We were going to do... A scene where Michael, um, in real life, by the way, this is like like a big commitment type thing. Michael was going to slash his hand open and hold his hand above um, Gabriel's open mouth and just drip blood into it. Um, and it, it was going to be beautiful, I think, I, I, at least from how I heard it described. Um, the unfortunate thing is Gabriel's mother was on set that day, which was a rare occurrence, of course. Mm. Um, and she uh, she threatened to call the police. Uh, so, uh, we ended up having to kind of neuter the scene, um, and, y you know, it, it, what our, we our artistic vision just it didn't make it onto the screen. Um, no. You know, that's just women, you know? Am I right? Can't live with them. Don't want to live with them. Won't stop. <laughs> Well, that uh, that's kind of it. That's uh, that's the bonding, and that was the titular bonding at the end there. Yeah, that was the bonding. They they bonded, and then um, and then Jeremy disappeared. Right, never to be seen again. Uh, instead, Worf's other son came back, and eventually his <laughs> other brother comes back, and nobody mentions Jeremy at all. I'm sure now. I'm sure Jeremy when Michael Doran shows up in Picard season uh, whatever, um. That's when I'm sure an adult Jeremy who 
petitions the studio for a job will be uh, written in somehow. <laughs> that would be perfect. That, that, that would be quite the conclusion to this long-running arc. Yes. Of Jeremy disappearing. War, uh, Picard lands at Worf's house in, uh, you know, suburban Arizona. And it's just <laughs> him and Jeremy living together. <laughs> Worf is in bed with Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> Captain. <laughs> Captain, we bonded. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I uh, I see that, Mr. Wolf. <laughs> oh, man. All right, so uh, final thoughts. What do you think? Yeah, I still like the episode. I still like it quite a bit. Um, I was getting this very emotionally centered episode that's that deals with a variety of uh, more complex emotions was satisfying but it's also kind of rare mm. for the series and um while not executed as best as it could have been it was still engaging television and uh i think this is part of why season three is kind of heralded as the uh the, the homecoming of this episode of this series yeah yeah definitely i i feel the same way i don't really necessarily dislike it <clears throat> uh significantly more than than uh you know when we started so mm. um i still hate gabriel i think he's a very unappealing child actor yeah but... we didn't need that many close-ups no but otherwise yeah it's a good episode yeah good it's great good, good for them did it it gets a solid um, eh Pretty good out of ten. Yeah. Three enterprises out of five. Right, and those enterprises are never alone. Hmm. Cute. Thank you. Thank you. Alright, I got a question for you. Lay it on me. So perhaps uh unsurprisingly, Jeremy shows up in the uh the comics, the Star Trek comics. Oh, uh, fucking course he does. And as always, I've sourced this question from our friends at Memory Alpha. Mm-hmm. Our close colleagues. Yes, our uh, our co-patriots. Mm-hmm. And um, there's there's this little blurb here about uh, how he interacts with Worf in a certain comic. And <clears throat> so at some point, he seems to contact Worf from Earth. And he asked him for advice about something. Mm-hmm. So is that your question? What is he asking for what's, advice what's, on? What's the topic? Yeah, what's the topic? Well, I, I'm kind of stuck on romance here. I mm-hmm. Do I get to know his age? He's older. Okay, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume it's romance. Now, going a little further... It might be easy to say, oh, Worf, how do I get a girlfriend? I think that's a question everybody's wanted to ask Worf at some point. And it's something that was done <laughs> in the series. But I, I, I'm i going to go a little further and say that it's like, how do I propose or something about my wife? Um, a bit a bit more nuanced, developed relationship than, than just courtship. Either that or how to file his tax return. Well, I mean, 
you're right. Um, it's romance. Okay. Which is hilarious. <laughs> but I'm not sure how deep that goes, actually. How so? Um, I, I'm not sure exactly what the context is. Oh, it's just romance? Of said romance. Yeah, it just says romance. So I was right. You were right. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Suck it to me, baby. I'm fucking it up. I'm killing, Good job. killing it. Go me. Who asked Worf for romance advice? Uh, Wesley Crusher did. In uh, Did he? Yeah, he did. I don't know if we watched oh, that episode. Oh, yeah, ep- that's right. Did we watch that episode? Yeah, I we did. We watched that episode, yeah. 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 There's um, there's that scene where Worf just screams, and he says, this is how a Klingon attracts a mate. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Good times. Do you, think he, do you think he screamed at Jeremy? <laughs> <laughs> I can only hope. I can only hope this uh this pedophilic encounter played out as I'm imagining it, as I'm fantasizing <laughs> about it. So, well, with another victory under my belt, I guess that's going to be it for today. Yeah, I guess so. We round out episode 100 the same way we've rounded out um 75% of the previous episode, which is through a victory on my part. Congratulations. Thank you, thank you. I try my hardest. I'm going to remind everybody at home about our helpful, helpful sponsors. You know, of course, Denny's, home of the Grand Slam. We're now sponsored by the Yeti, which is a t-shirt business. Now, we still sell ours on Teespring, but the Yeti is sponsoring us, so be sure to buy our t-shirts, and with any leftover money, maybe you can look at theirs. And, you know, as always, if there's a problem with your car, bring it over to Pep Boys, and they're the home of the one-minute oil change, and they'll get you going. Just mention Mitch or say that you're readier at checkout, and they'll uh, they'll help you help you out. They'll hook you up. That's right. Yes. Uh, for everybody else, thank you for 100 episodes. Uh, you've been readier until now, and we hope that for the next 100, you guys at home, all of you, stay readier. The troublesome little man child. I stand before you, defrocked. To be a member of this lowest of species. Thank you, Ensign. Engage. Do you consider yourself superior to us? Should have told him to mind his own damn business. But I stroke the beard thusly. Do I not appear more intellectual? Have you never dreamed of climbing inside the bottle bottle?